Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. Today we celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his work to promote racial equality. In this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. David K. Bernard discusses what the United Pentecostal Church International is doing to promote greater inclusion for believers of all races and ethnicities and to combat the sin of racism in the church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Dr. David K. Bernard. As General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International, I want to invite you to join me September 19 through 22nd in Indianapolis, Indiana for our annual General Conference. General Conference is an opportunity to experience firsthand what God is doing across North America and around the world through the ministry of the United Pentecostal Church International. Last year's General Conference in Orlando, Florida was one of the best in recent memory. We're expecting God to do great things again at this year's General Conference. You can visit upcigc.com and subscribe to email updates to learn more about what's happening at this year's General Conference. I look forward to seeing you later this year in Indianapolis. God bless. Today we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his work to promote racial equality. And you've addressed the subject of racial equality in the church on numerous occasions. Today, though, I want to ask you about this. In 2008, the general board of the United Pentecostal Church International adopted a racial and ethnic affirmation. And by the way, our uh, viewers can and listeners can access that document on the UPCI website. The racial and ethnic affirmation of states the following. As the largest and leading apostolic holiness movement in the world, the United Pentecostal Church International is dedicated to overcoming any appearance of racism within the church by making a deliberate effort toward inclusion and a firm open stand against racial bigotry and segregation. I'd like to you to know, talk about the efforts that the UPCI is making to fulfill this specific commitment, and what are, where do we still need to improve? Certainly, this is an important topic for us, and uh, I'll just say, when I was a pastor, uh, I like to mention the various holidays, and sometimes I would preach uh, themes related to those holidays, such as Father's Day, Mother's Day, July 4th, and so uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day was one of those days that at least I'd mention uh, the legacy and the progress we've made, the challenges that we still face. And occasionally I'd use a quote from Dr. King or a reference to some things as kind of a segue into a message, uh, which would be uh, dealing with um, those issues, but also apply it spiritually. So we talk about liberty in a social, political sense, but then, of course, ultimately in a spiritual sense. So I think this is a great time to talk about these things. And uh, it is important. Some people say, well, you're just trying to be politically correct or you're trying to be woke. And of course we're not. Uh, We're not trying to promote racial quotas or reverse discrimination or anything like that. But I like to say uh, we're trying to be biblically correct. So it's not what society or politics uh, say that's going to determine 
although the fact that we've discussed these things in our society can help us as the church to make sure that we're biblically correct and also biblically relevant. So on the same website, upci.org, we have the racial and ethnic affirmation of the UPCI that you mentioned, adopted in 2008. But we also have a timeline so people can see the progress that we made, uh, how far we've come, but also how far we need to go. So that timeline goes back to about 1975, and uh, you will see the progress the UPCI has made in trying to be to reach every culture, every race, every language, particularly in North America, our home base, U.S. and Canada, but also around the world. And we've made tremendous strides over the years. Um, and so you can see that detailed timeline. Uh, what, what we've done this year, which I think is particularly significant, uh, last year we passed an amendment to the Articles of Faith. That first has to come from the General Board, then the Resolutions Committee, then the General Conference, and then it has to be ratified by the districts. So the General Conference passed in 2021. It's been ratified in 2022, and now it's officially an amendment to the Articles of Faith. That's a difficult process because our, our Articles of Faith are our core documents. They, those are our essentials is what we believe. And so we had a section called Creation of Man and His Fall, where we explained that God created humans in his image, but humans fell into sin. So we added to that some significant language, and particularly we added that every human being is created in God's image. So every human being deserves respect. Therefore, we oppose all forms of of racism or discrimination. I don't have the exact language in front of me, but I think it's significant that we decide to put this in our Articles of Faith as our core doctrine, that we stand for inclusion. We stand against any form of discrimination based on race or a national origin or uh, ability or, or ethnicity, uh, and that we believe the church on earth should attempt to reflect the church in heaven. When you see the book of Revelation, people of every uh, tongue, every language, every tribe, every nation assembled together, worshiping God together. And that's what we should strive for today. So to me, that's quite significant because now it becomes a core value. We already have the position paper. But uh, the position paper is a, is a f uh, further explanation and detailed explanation. But we wanted to have that position paper rooted in the Articles of Faith. Because if it's just a position paper, you can take it or leave it. You can say, well, I, I disagree with that. But if it's your Articles of Faith, then if you're going to be a minister, you must agree with that. Uh, and so uh, the Article of Faith now has this statement, and it's elaborated upon by the position paper. Now, we also have international articles of faith. So one of the things we've done over the years is we've established a global council that initially the other nations of the world, uh, the churches were begun by missionaries from North America. Well, now we have uh, solidly established churches in many nations of the world. In fact, we have some kind of presence now in 200 of the 210 nations of the world uh, plus many territories. So it's right around 240 nations and territories where we have some kind of witness, some kind of presence, some kind of activity, in many cases, strong churches. Well, in about, uh, I think, almost 60 of those, we now have national churches. That means churches with their own structure, their own governance, their own leadership that's elected by them. 
And so we have a global council where delegates come from all over the world to establish international policy. So the leaders are not just people from North America, but they're people of every background, uh, every nation, every nation where we have established works, every continent, you know, every region of the world. Um, as I said, about 60 nations have national leaders now. Uh, the delegates of the council, I would say probably 30 uh, nations of those would be African or Caribbean, where you have African-American. Or they wouldn't be African-American, but they would be black or African descent uh, representation. So, in fact, we have I'm the chairman of the Global Council, but we just elected a new secretary and we elected Duncan Karuku, who is the general superintendent of the UPCI of Kenya. So not only are we working in the U.S., but we're also working around the world to have a truly international church, diverse church, inclusive church, and that be reflected in the leadership. Uh, we just did a survey of senior pastors in October, and I just met with our statistician today, our director of research and development, so she gave me some preliminary results. We'll be publishing detailed results in January and and uh, probably available to all of our ministers by March uh, after the general board has had a chance to review and absorb all these things. But I can tell you, one of the questions we asked of senior pastors to, was to identify the racial composition of their churches. And it's interesting uh, that the this latest survey showed, now let me see if I can remember it all, uh, but uh, the latest survey showed that 61% of our uh, constituents here in the U.S. and Canada would be Caucasian or non-Hispanic white. Uh, 39% would be other ethnic categories. So of those, uh, if I do this right, it'll add up to 39%. But 20% identified, uh, the pastors identified them as Hispanic. 14% uh, black or African American. 3% uh, Asian American or I think that also includes a Pacific Islander, and then 2% would be Native people, so Native American or First Nations of Canada. So to me, that's interesting because that is almost exactly the proportion of the population. In fact, um, the ethnic representation is a little bit higher than the categories. So that indicates that on a local level and on a broad level, we're doing a good job of trying to reach our diverse population, that our church our churches collectively are now reflecting our uh, the demographics of our society. But you ask, where do we need to improve? Well, the next step is uh, the number, the percentage of our ministers in these various ethnic categories is not quite as great. So we need to improve in diversifying our ministry. And, but that makes sense because as people come into the church, it takes time before they become mature in the faith. They are called by God. They go through the training program. They meet their district board and they're recognized. So if we've gotten increasingly diverse, say in the last 20 years, well, there's going to be a, I don't know, 10 year uh, lag time uh, to see that diversity start appearing in the ranks of credential ministers. And then our leaders, by and large, appointed or elected, are chosen from our credential ministers. So there will be an additional lag time for a minister to become mature, to to become known, uh, you know, to have achieved a, a significant accomplishments, to get national attention, to be known among or district attention, be known among rank and file ministers, so that he or she will be elected. Uh, and so, 
there will be an additional lag time for leadership. So I think where we need to improve, it, it has to be through the natural process or we can't be an artificial imposition of quotas or just trying to, uh, you know, uh, trying to create slots just to be politically correct. But I do think by talking about it and discussing it and being ten- intentional, all of us can try to mentor people who are capable of becoming leaders and encouraging those who are capable of becoming leaders, training them. And we can think outside our box. So often when we're in a position to appoint someone or maybe even cast a vote to elect someone, we tend to think of people we know, our family, friends, or people that are close by, people in churches we're familiar with. And so in our mental image or thinking, would we'll probably over-represent our own ethnicity because because that's people we know best. But if we can just broaden our thinking to say who else would be qualified that may not be a personal friend or family member or may not live close by, maybe in another church, maybe in another district, but they're qualified. I need to think outside the box. I need to think of diversity in every category, not simply ethnic, but um, urban versus rural, uh, different parts of the country, uh, different age ages, male, female, who's qualified in a more diverse setting. So that's where we need to do a better job. So the good news is uh, we are, you know, it's interesting. uh, One of Dr. King's quotes was the most segregated time in American society is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Uh, In the United Pentecostal Church International, that's not true. In fact, we almost exactly reflect the diversity of our society. Now, we do have uh, individual churches may be primarily rooted in ethnic communities. Um, and But, but um, to that, I would say our strategy is twofold. Every church should be open to everyone in its community, should be diverse. At the same time, we recognize that to be effective in reaching people in certain demographics, as well as just geographical locations, languages, then we have to be intentional. So we have to uh, plant churches in uh, neighborhoods and towns where there may be a heavy percentage of a certain ethnic minority. And if that requires a different language, we need to offer a language. Uh, We need to train people who can become pastors who represent those minorities. They can be more effective in establishing churches among those particular ethnic groups. So it's a dual strategy of promoting every church to be inclusive, but at the same time being strategic and planting churches in ethnic communities and uh, having training leaders and pastors uh, from the various ethnic demographics who can be most effective in ministering uh, to uh, people of these various backgrounds. And I think by having a dual strategy, and then on a general level, promoting inclusion and on a district level, promoting inclusion so that whether it be our general conference, our North American Youth Congress, our district events, uh, district and general offices, then we'd have a wide range of diversity that would reflect our community and also our churches. So we're well on the way. And I'm excited that we've actually made this strategic change in the Articles of Faith now, I, I should close the discussion. We did have our global council meeting this fall. It's held once every five years. The global council also adopted the same resolution that I mentioned uh, for the International Articles of Faith. So in 2023, we'll be sending this 
to all the nations of the world for ratification. So our our thought is by the end of 2023, this will be officially part of the International Articles of Faith. So it's exciting to see measurable progress both in our policies and our core doctrines, but also in actual uh, changes on the ground. Uh, and and the, 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 the really the whole point is simply uh, our official motto of the UPCI, the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. That's what we're trying to do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.